0: Today is Thursday, February 11, 2011, and we continue with the oral history of Jack Alexander. I'm Rob Alexander, home in in Rye, New York. And Jack, why don't you tell us where you are today?
1: Jack Alexander, I'm sitting in my downtown, uh, downstairs office at 108 Studio Road, Stanford, Connecticut, where I've lived since I moved to Connecticut.
0: Okay, and that's good. We're going to actually talk about your, the subject today is your life, you know, kind of after college and graduate school. It's really where you met mom. Okay, the
1: the story really starts in the University of West Virginia, where my future partner, uh, Buddy Fox, Bobby Barish, were fraternity brothers. Both dropped out of college. Buddy came to New York City and went to work for the New York Stock Exchange. And the advantage of working for the New York Stock Exchange, they gave free courses in investments. So he was there. Bobby Barish went down to Tuscaloosa, Alabama to work for Temerson Brothers. He didn't like that at all. Ethel, who made uh, Sue and Bobby custodian of my children, uh, if, something happened to uh, Charlotte and me and one of the her requirements are that they not be raised in Alabama, they must be raised somewhere in the north, but that's just an aside interesting they're both dropouts from college Bobby goes down to work for Temerson my, my uh, future partner. Uh, Buddy Fox goes to work for the New York Stock Exchange actually for the stock exchange and there. They would give free courses in investments. So now, Charlotte is up here, uh, uh, rooming with Peggy Parish. They have an apartment together in New York City. Uh, Peggy Parish was a author and a, a writer. I'm working for uh, uh, New England Industries. They were since they were a fraternity, uh, you know, they, they knew each other because they were fraternity brothers. They knew Charlotte was up here in New York City. They knew I was single. So they said, well, why don't you two meet? So where do we meet? The standard place is under the clock at the, uh, can't remember the hotel. Okay, I I was uh, out of college. Yeah, I was one year out of college, so.
0: uh, One year out of Lafayette or grad school?
1: uh, Lafayette. I was commuting. Uh, into, uh, I, I was, then I applied to graduate school, I was accepted at Columbia, and I was commuting for home, I guess my parents let me a car, I'm not sure. Anyway, I was commuting a park in, in New York City, uh, went to Columbia, and then uh, after we met, uh, after school, I would go to their apartment, either we would uh, go out for uh, for dinner, it was a, a place very close or uh, Peggy Parrish said, why don't you cook dinner? Well, Charlotte says, I I don't do any cooking. So uh, Peggy Parrish used to feel sorry for me and she would get some food in and we would sometimes eat in in that apartment.
0: Okay, what was New York like then?
1: I only knew uh, two sections really of New York City. Uh, One was... uh, where I worked uh, New England Industries, which was down on, uh, right on the waterfront. And the other was uh, around Columbia University uh, where they had special parking for uh, students and so on. So I really uh, didn't know New York very well. Of course, I had been to Times Square and all that stuff, but uh, I didn't spend much time in New York and I really never liked it anyway.
0: Graduated Lafayette in 1950. Let's say you met mom in 1951, like a year after college. So that means you were 23. So you guys met when you are pretty young then. Yeah. How long did you uh, date before you got married? Like what year did you get married? Do you know? No. Okay. Well, how many years do you think you dated for?
1: <laughs> I'm not really sure. I, I don't remember. Bobby Barish uh, didn't grow up in Tuscaloosa. He grew up in a small town north of Tuscaloosa. I don't know the name. And his father was a rabbi, but his father was in service and never home and divorced a couple of times, I think. So uh, Bobby was brought up by uh, an aunt or uh, some relative in this small town. And how did he meet Sue? I don't really know. But what the Jewish people did all over the country, but especially along the uh, <clears throat> eastern seaboard, was they had this uh, coming out party at some central location. And the idea was to introduce all the eligible uh, 16-year-old uh, boys and girls to each other at this big party. It had a special name. And I can't remember the name.
0: OK, so it's kind of like a uh, debutante party kind of produced. OK, so that's how he met uh, Sue. He, he grew up in Alabama. Yes. <laughs> where did you get married? Tell us about, you know, your wedding.
1: OK, we, we were married in the uh, uh, Tuscaloosa Hotel uh, in Tuscaloosa. It was a uh, <clears throat> can't really. Re- I, my recollection of the wedding is not too clear, but uh, th- that's where it was held. And, uh, you know, everybody in the vicinity was, was invited.
0: So um, I imagine your sister came and your parents came?
1: Oh yeah, were, everybody was down there. Then we left the wedding and drove uh, to the main city, uh, north, anyway that's where the uh, a flight was to uh, Jamaica.
0: So you went to Jamaica on your honeymoon?
1: Uh, Jamaica on the honeymoon, of uh, course. I think I mentioned. Didn't realize that it was the rainy season in September. So when we got there, uh, the resort was pretty empty because nobody came during the rainy season. Uh, but, uh, you know, we had, we had a good time.
0: But when you came, once you got married, though, you moved into your own apartment.
1: Uh, right after we were married, uh, we moved into uh, the apartment in uh, in Grand Avenue, which was a, uh, a new building. We were the first tenant there.
0: Um, what kind of apartment was it was it a high-rise walk-up
1: elevator no it was a garden apartment uh, two stories and uh, we, we lived on the uh, uh second story one, one one story out it was very nice it had uh, a, a living room and uh a, another uh bedroom and, and a kitchen and uh i turned the uh kitchen into a uh, a dark room and uh, did my photography stuff there. Uh, Moses was born uh, uh, when we were living in that apartment. We talked about
0: your wedding down in Tuscaloosa. What what do you remember of the Temersons?
1: Temerson uh, Brothers was a uh, a scrapyard. Uh, And uh, they were also, Uh, agents for uh, new steel, but their main business was a scrapyard. Uh, Trucks would come in uh, loaded with the scrap onto a scale, and they would weigh the truck, and then they would weigh the truck on the way out, and then uh, Abe would walk around with uh, a few thousand dollars in cash in a big roll that he had wrapped with a rubber band, and uh, when the people came out to get paid, he would peel off the cash and give it to them. And that's how the business ran. It, 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 was, it was pretty interesting. It was, very, you know, all the people were very nice people and, uh, uh, but everything was uh, segregated. Now, you know, two drinking fountains. Uh, the uh, One of the difference though was that uh, in living there wasn't a whole uh, area where uh, black people lived and separate from white people. Black people did live in a, in a segregated area, but it was like two or three blocks within where white people were living. So this was very convenient for them, you know, to go into their jobs.
0: Sure. so Mose was born in 1960. How long were you married before Moses was born? Do you remember that?
1: Oh, yeah. So uh, now we're married. We move into uh, an apartment in Grand Avenue, Rockville Center. Shaw uh, is not getting pregnant, so we go to uh, obstetrician, and he says, "Just relax; these things don't happen right away." And sure enough, all of a sudden, Shaw is pregnant with Mose Meanwhile, so the obstetrician says, "Look, you know, first baby—they don't come very fast. Uh, I- I'll let you know when you." meet me at the uh, hospital, which was uh, a private hospital in Rockwell Center. yeah, okay, no rush. I go into New York City, Uh, I'm not rushing at all. Meanwhile, uh, Charlotte's mother is out here with her. Before I know it, I get a call, come home. So it takes me a while, I'm in New York City. So by the time I get home, Moses is already born. Everything is fine. And Charlotte's mother is is there. And I'm there. That's how it happened.
0: Now, did you have a name for Moses when he was born? Like, did he leave the hospital without a name?
1: Yes. Uh, his birth certificate says male Alexander.
0: Just like matches yours. <laughs>
1: yeah. Because I wasn't sure if we really wanted to name him Moses. It just sounded uh, a difficult name to live with. But like anything else, you get used to it very quickly. Now it doesn't seem strange at all, and we know a lot of other Moses as well, so it's, it's not it's not strange at all.
0: Were you in the delivery room, let's say, for you know Julius or, or me, or is it not a thing for men to be in the delivery room?
1: I'm trying to think. I definitely was not there for Moses. Uh, Julius was uh, born in uh, in. Connecticut. Where was his uh, hospital?
0: Must have been Stanford Hospital.
1: No, wasn't there. No, the obstetrician. But I, anyway, I. But I was not in the delivery room when they delivered. Okay,
0: you lived in Rockville Center when Moses was born. How long did you live there? When did you move to Stanford?
1: We had a uh, a three year lease on this apartment. Quickly realized it'd be a good move to go to Connecticut where there was no income tax and no capital gain tax. I drove up here by myself, drove around, came up Studio Road as well as other places, and there I meet uh, this uh, builder who's building these houses on Studio Road. None of the houses have been built yet, so he says... Uh, I'm building these houses on Studio Road, this house, and he points to where the man's used to live, uh, I'm building for my accountant. This house, acro- directly across the street from where we live now, he says, I'm building that for my, uh, my plumber. He says, this house up on the hill here, uh, I'm building for my uh, supplier of, uh, uh, of lumber you can be sure that if you buy from me you're going to get the best. What I didn't realize was instead of the best they were so sharp in by uh, not using uh, uh, a lot of cement and and kind of shoddy construction.
0: Was that the house you're always complaining about there wasn't a lot, there was mostly sand in the foundation, but what other, it seemed like the house itself, I mean, it's not that complicated, the house. Now, why'd you pick the lot that you ended up purchasing? You know, it was kind of like a hill. Why'd you pick where you picked?
1: Okay, I I like that location because it was on the river. You owned to the middle of the river. You could fish there without a license. So I like the idea of, of fishing in my backyard. So that's why I picked that particular house. I think the man had already picked out their house even mm-hmm. before uh, you know I had uh, chosen the the one that I wanted. But me and I, there was nothing there.
0: Who built it? The, so they, the developer, built the bridge, the first bridge across the river.
1: The first bridge was built by uh, Hartman that uh, Milt worked for. Okay. And uh, he hired. Uh, uh, he he had a guy working for him that built the first bridge. Okay, now that's the first bridge. The city came and said that bridge was in, uh, inadequate, and they would build a new bridge.
0: Okay, hold on. This that's way later. Let's yeah. you know, just to tell the uh, the audi- our audience more about Studio Road. You know why was it named Studio Road? Uh,
1: it was named Studio Road. Because uh, Gutson Borglum, who owned all of that property at one point, including Red Fox and so on, was a uh, a, a, a sculpture. He had his uh, pool, his man's house. There was no pool there, but that was his uh, outdoor sculpture area. And uh, it didn't have a, it had walls, but it didn't have a, a roof. And then right next door was his indoor sculptural area, which was a huge uh, room with two tremendous oak doors that opened up so you could really put big pieces of sculpture in there. And it had a uh, terrazzo floor and a big fireplace.
0: And, uh, you know, Gutzon Borglum was the, he's most famous for carving Mount Rushmore. Right. And uh, I guess he lived in Stanford.
1: He he did. He came to Stanford, uh, I think, in, in the 19, uh, 1913, 1914.
0: Do you remember what year you moved, actually moved into the house on Studio Red?
1: It was uh, in 1959. Moe's uh, uh, was not born uh mose came as a baby to studio road uh,
0: so mose was already born he was born in rockville Well, you bought the house before he was born
1: yes but the other the, you and uh robert were born so you moved
0: to stanford you already were working uh well you had your your company alexander associates buddy was already working for you uh where was your first office in in stanford okay
1: uh now we, we realize why should we be uh, computer, uh, why should we be commu- commuting to New York City? Yeah, we had a free office there. But, uh, what, what was the point? So why not get an office here in Stanford? So we look around, and we find over a flower shop near downtown Stanford is a uh, is an office. We speak to the owner of that. Flower shop and so on. And we rented that office and moved in there. We operated out of that office for a while when uh, another developer came and built, uh, which is now. Uh, I,
0: I, I know you're in Ridgeway Shopping Center. For, oh, no, you're yeah, in that's right. Shopping center.
1: In, 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 right. He built Ridgeway Shopping Center. And uh, as it turns out, I think I told you this. He and my father were very good friends in New York.
0: Yeah, but hold on. Let's uh, back up. To, actually, I remember your office was uh, north of Ridgeway. It was where the ho- some hotels is now, but it, it doesn't really matter. It's all in the basic same area. So, yeah, so you told the story about your landlord or the guy who owned the building was friends with your father.
1: We had this office, uh, w- which is now uh, Ridgeway. And uh, we were there, you know, for the longest time. Uh, and, uh, we were friendly with uh, the person across the way who I still see. First, one of the first thing we did uh, moving to Stanford was join Temple Sinai. Temple Sinai had a, uh, a rented a small church on Grove Street. and that's where they held their services. Uh, so we went to services there on Grove Street for a while and then they had this property which they own now on that property i'm trying to think if there was anything built on that property no there wasn't anything built on that property it was just uh, a vacant land then you know had a building fund and so on and uh, built the uh sanctuary was the uh, school building and uh you all uh went to a religious school in that uh school building, came time to study for bar mitzvah. And I remembered how I really disliked studying for that bar mitzvah, didn't like it at all. So I said, look, do you wanna have bar mitzvah? No, I said, okay. So you stopped uh, going to Sunday school there.
0: No, well, we went to Sunday school. We didn't go to Hebrew school. We went Sunday school the whole, whole way through, um, through, I guess it's called confirmation. Actually, let me just back up to the house. It's always get fun facts and figures. Do you remember how much you paid for the house on Studio Road?
1: Can't really remember. Seemed to me it was, it was very little.
0: I mean, nowadays, but I would say like $50,000, would that, would that be a lot of money back then?
1: Yeah, no, it was definitely less, less than that.
0: Less than that, okay. So yeah, less than
1: 50. A, so something like 38,000.
0: Right, and and now this is year 2021. I mean, 38,000, it's all relative, but with inflation and everything. and
1: So people ask me now, they're constantly asking me, you know, for investment advice. So I said, look, I don't know the future any more than anyone else does. All these experts that promise you the future, they don't know either. But there are a couple of things you do know. One, the government had a policy uh, for many years of inflating the currency of two to 3% to keep the economy stimulated, that was policy. Now, what the government is doing is printing Vast amounts of money to stimulate the economy and keep it going. So the second thing you know for sure is the value of the currency is going to decline. That's definite. So you know that. So with those two things in mind, what are you going to do? You've got to buy some kind of assets which will appreciate regardless of the currency and the second thing you want to do is never buy an annuity or a bond which in in x number of years is going to mature and you're going to get your original money back except that original money that you get back is going to be worth maybe 10 or 15 cents on the dollar You don't need any high-priced observe any high-priced helpers. These helpers only drain off uh, a part of your uh, assets.
0: Okay, that's good. Good advice. In you know now even. Um, Okay, so you talked about Temple Sinai. Um...
1: So Temple Sinai, uh, you know, we went there uh, almost every. Uh, almost every Friday night, they, you know, built their building there and so on. Uh, I was on the, you know, board of directors for a while and so on. And then they had nominations for the president of the temple. I didn't say I wanted it or didn't want it. The person they nominated said he didn't want the job. So I said, I'll take it. Then he came back and said, you know i changed my mind i think i will take it he said no it's too late it's gone so that's how you became president of the okay. temple's Dino. what
0: you what do you remember approximately what year that was
1: no i don't remember the year.
0: yeah i think i was i was probably around 10 or something so it was like the late 70s or mid 70s something like that okay what um what was home life for you like you know, living in Stanford. I mean, what else did you do? You, you know, you obviously worked. Used to come home. Uh, you know, you, you weren't working until six o'clock at night. I know that. What what else did you do for fun when you were your hobbies?
1: I was always, uh, uh, you know, working in the workshop and doing stuff like that. I didn't uh, work as hard uh, like Milt. Milt, you know, worked uh, really till late at night in the office. Hartman was a very tough employer. I, I figured, uh, you know, markets closed, I'll come home. What did, what did I do?
0: We were into photography.
1: I, I had this uh, camera that I got, my parents got for me for my bar mitzvah. And I realized it was a, uh, a reflex camera where you, uh, uh, you know, looked down and saw the image but it had really inferior lenses. So I went into New York City and bought a used Rollerflex camera with a 3.5 millimeter uh, lens. This was, you know, relative, it was used, relatively inexpensive, but in, in really perfect condition. Once I started taking pictures with that, I realized how much detail I was missing before. So now I had an enlarger, a solar enlarger. That also came with lenses. And I realized that the lenses on the enlarger were inferior lenses. So again, I went into uh, uh, New York and I bought new uh, uh, lenses for the uh, uh, solar enlarger. And again, that improved, uh, really improved the uh, the quality of the pictures.
0: Talk about, when did you get your first sailboat in uh, Stanford?
1: Now, uh, thinking of buying a sailboat. So I'm looking around, and uh, I meet Jed Isaacs at a party. I tell him, uh, you know, I'm looking around. I want to buy a, uh, you know, a day sailor. I've been looking around, and this is one I think I'm going to buy. It was some stock boat. He says, no, don't do that. He says, uh, I have an ensign. Um, getting a bigger boat, you want to buy the ensign. W- we make a deal. I don't know how much money. It wasn't much. And uh, uh, I buy the ensign. Okay, and so, I see
0: a picture hanging. I think that's it with the striped spinnaker behind you. Turn yeah. around. Right next to Mom. It's.
1: Now the ensign did not have spinnaker gear. So I went down to a hardware store in Mamaronek I think.
0: Yeah. Brewer's Boatyard.
1: Brewer's. Brewer's. But it was a hardware store. I said I need, I want to get, you know, spinnaker gear. The ensign said, okay we have a whole package. He gave me the whole package, pole, everything. Jed had got this flotation, for the ensign, which he had never installed. So I put that in, he just glued it in, Uh, uh, went behind the seats. Because the ensign was a keel boat, it could sink, and it did. Okay,
0: how long did you you have the ensign for? And uh, let me back up, how did you learn how to sail? Because you were a motorboater, right?
1: Uh, I got a book. Followed the book. learned how to sail from the book. So,
0: you know, trial by error,
1: self-taught. The uh, ensign had an outboard motor hung on a a bracket on the stern. One of the things you did when you sailed, you took that uh, engine off and stowed it down below because it was, uh, you know, unnecessary weight on the stern.
0: right. So you had the ensign for, what, about four or five years?
1: Yeah. Did I ever race the ensign? Uh, I, I don't think so.
0: I no, think okay. so. You had the answer for four or five years, and then you decided you wanted a bigger boat.
1: So now I'm looking around, uh, you know, what to get for a bigger boat. So uh, I go down to uh, a broker in uh, in Mamaroneck, I think. Can't remember the, the name. Was of it McMichael's
0: book. still there? I mean, yeah, it was
1: McMichael's. Bro- yeah, McMichael's still still in business. Yeah. So I went down to McMichael's, and I told them, you know. I have this, Hanson, uh, and I want to get a, a bigger boat. He says, I have just the boat for you, Morgan 34. I said, okay. Uh, he says it comes in two different layouts. Uh, one layout is uh, with a dinette table that goes down and you can sleep on that. And another layout where, uh, there was a different layout. I can't remember which I which I didn't like. So I said okay. So he takes me and shows me this boat. I said okay. So while I'm thinking about it, I hear about this other ensign that is held that's owned by uh, Yacht Haven. Yacht was on the verge of going bankrupt. So I go to look at this ensign. I, I go to look at this uh, a Morgan 34 that they have, which they own. It has the layout that I like, so I said, uh, "Okay, I, I, I'm gonna. I like to buy that boat." I said, "But you know, you're on the verge of bankruptcy, and uh, I don't. I, I don't want to give you any money. When I buy the boat, I want title to it, even though it's in your yard, I want to own it." So they said, "Okay." So they they did the necessary paperwork. I gave them, uh, you know, the full Cost of, of what it was, can't even remember now, but anyway. So, the boat was in their yard, uh, but I owned it. What
0: about your your friends? You, uh, we talked about that. Yeah, let's talk about your friends. Like the man's lived next door, but you had a kind of a pretty good social life.
1: Yeah, no, the man's lived next door. We were very friendly with the uh, the, the Danoffs. There were you know loads of people. Everybody was you know very friendly. We went out for, uh, you know, dinners and did stuff like that, you know, with friends. And uh, basically, that's what it was. Tell us about
0: Stanford. I mean, that...
1: I'm thinking about when we first moved into uh, the house on Studio Road. We brought up a woman from uh, Alabama that had worked for uh, Ethel there. What she did was... uh, she didn't do the cooking. Yes, at one point we had a, a cook, but uh, this person did the serving. So what we would do, it was very you know strange today. We would sit in the in the dining room, and uh, this person would bring in the food.
0: And she lived live with us. The person in Alabama must have lived downstairs where you're where you're sitting right now, right? It must have been like the, the maid's room.
1: That's right. There was a major. This was the major.
0: Right. And there's a whole bath down there and yeah, yeah. laundries down there.
1: After uh, the first course, Shaw would pr- there was a buzzer on the floor.
0: No, she had a bell. She didn't have a buzzer. Maybe your mom had a buzzer at her house. Our mom, my mom had they had a little bell. But anyway, she signaled the uh server to come.
1: And and that's what it was. Like was a formal dinner. You all uh, ate first before us. Okay. Person that worked for us, I think, uh, also took care of you, fed you, and so on. Anyway, that that's the way it worked. Didn't seem unusual or anything at the time.
0: Well, that's now, how you grew up.
1: They had. They've been what I'm trying to think of, uh, of of Woodmere. I have to go, go back.
0: Well, don't worry about Woodmere. We've already covered that. But I'm okay. just saying, you kind of did look like what your parents did. You just yeah. I think that's enough for now. I mean that's basically the early life and those guess will wrap up this session. Okay. Okay.